writer that I quote quite often, and I quote this particular passage or this particular quote from him, is F.F. Bosworth. And F.F. Bosworth wrote the book called Christ the Healer. And in his book, Christ the Healer, he said this, Faith begins where the will of God is known. Look at somebody and say that with me. Faith begins where the will is known. Now, both of you should be saying it to each other. Let's do it one more time. How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing comes? By the word of God. Let's say it again. And this is, this is not in the Bible. It's a quote from somebody, but it's a good one. Amen. It's scripturally based. So let's say it together. Faith begins, faith begins where the will, will of God, God is, known. is known. You know, our desire as a church, the desire we have as a church, one of the things that's important to us as a church, it's our desire, is to see people healed and blessed, to turn around their situations, to see them delivered and changed. I mean, if that's not the desire of a church, then why are we here? If the desire of a church is just simply to put more people in the pews, but nobody changes, then we wasted our time. Somebody say amen. amen. There are people that are down, depressed, discouraged, hurting, worn out, messed up, devil oppressed, demon possessed. And they need to know that the Word of God is relevant to their situation, that the Word of God is relevant to their issue. And even though many of these problems, some of them even in this house today, are there, there are storms, there are problems and challenges, that there is a roadblock that most people suffer from. As I said earlier, that faith begins where the will of God is known. That knowing the will of God, that knowing what that is, it is, is an important aspect of us receiving from the Lord. If I don't know <laughs> what God wants for me, then how can I have it? How can I ever walk in it and people walk in it? And, and, and this is what I said earlier with these places that, that have no demonstration and no turnaround and they have no faith exhibited within the place. Nobody getting healed. Nobody getting delivered. Nobody getting set free. They try to work it out in their flesh. They go out in their mind and they think they can think themselves into a better place. But you've got to have the knowledge of God. Faith begins where the will of God is known. You've got to know the will of God. You gotta be taught the right, the right things. If you're not taught those things, it's not gonna come to pass in your life. You're not gonna receive them because they won't be taught to you. Faith is, is what we receive by. You know, when I look at the miracles of Jesus, there are 19 specific miracles described in the Bible about Jesus. 10 of the miracles that Jesus performed in his ministry were directly correlated or a direct statement was made about how they received their miracle. It says their faith made them whole. Ten. It's explicit. It says ten in ten occasions their faith made them whole. There are 17 occurrences in the Bible, including the seven more ten that say their faith made them whole. Seven more that reference their faith as to their healing. That, that basically say the same thing, but say it in other words. So there of the 19 miracles, 17 of the 19 miracles mentioned in the Bible about Jesus, basically make the statement that by their faith, they were healed. That it wasn't the power of God. It wasn't the miracle of God. 
It wasn't the mercy of God. It wasn't the gift of God. But it was instead their faith that accessed their miracle. Their faith that transitioned them from sickness and disease, from poverty and lack, into blessings. Their faith. We could surmise from that that 90%, 90% of what you're ever going to receive from God in the form of miracles, signs, wonders, deliverances, healings, is going to be about you and your faith. I know we, we, we sit back and we want to expect the mercy of God and the grace of God to occur. We want to walk into the mercy of God, the grace of God. And, and that's how we come to God with this beggarly mentality that, God, God, if you want to, if you want to, and we're even taught this. We're even taught in churches that we should pray, oh, if it be your will. We're even taught that, 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 and yet 17 of the 19 miracles in the Bible specifically outlined the fact that it would require your faith and not just the miraculous of God. Many people today are, are simple, simply living a life and completely void of what God wants for them, the prosperity of God, the healing of God. They're living there because they're waiting on God to do something that he has already done. Do you realize that God has already provided the sacrifice necessary for you and I to be healed? That the lamb that came and was slain from the foundations of the earth bore 38, 39 stripes just for us so that you and I could be healed by Jesus' stripes. You were healed. I love the way it says it. You were. Past tense. Jesus did it. It's done. The plan was laid out before time began that Jesus would come, pay the price, and would make arrangements for you and I to, by faith to walk in the blessings of God. This word is filled with everything we need to know about how we can get free and delivered, blessed and prospered. And faith is the key. Our faith will make the difference. Think about that. 90% people are still sitting waiting. I, I, I want you to look over here with me. Just like this man, this is the greatest roadblock I believe that people suffer from in determining whether or not or they're going to receive from God. In Mark 1, chapter, chapter 1, starting at the 39th verse, turn over there with me. Now, I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. Mark, chapter 1, verses 39 and 40. And so Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues, casting out demons. And a man with leprosy came to him and knelt in front of Jesus and began to beg him to be healed. Look at this man is begging to be healed. And he said to him, if you are willing, if you are willing, another translation says it this way, if you want to. If you are willing, and if you want to, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. He said, God, if you want to, I know you've got the power. I know you, we all know in this room God's got the power. We know he's got the ability. There's no lack in God that if he wanted to make us clean, if he wanted to deliver us, 
If he wanted to prosper us, well, he sure could. That's that 10% that's out there that's, that, that we, we don't have the answers for. That there are times, how many of you ever come up against a situation where you wanted God's mercy to work? You wanted God's grace to work, but it didn't. Did you ever have that where you lost somebody? Something happened in somebody's situation, and it looked like that God had failed. How many know God never fails? I promise you, God never fails. There are secret things that belong to the Lord. And when I get to heaven, I am going to have to have a discussion. I know that when I get there, it will be revealed. But right now, in the natural, I sit there and think, we're going to have to have talk. Uh How many of you ever felt that way? When we get to heaven, I'm going to have to find out why Aunt Susie, she had had, uh, scriptures all over her refrigerator. She put scriptures on the milk bottle. She had them all over the walls. And yet she went on to be with the Lord. What was that all about? Have you all ever had that? Sure you have. If you've been saved long enough, you've seen somebody that everybody thought, if anybody's going to get it, Susie's going to get it. You know what I'm talking about. If anybody's going to get it, Susie's going to get it. And yet Susie didn't get it. Well, I don't understand all that, but I can teach you what the Bible does say. I can show you what it does say. And it tells me that you and I, see, I don't know Aunt Susie really. I wasn't in her house when, when she was alone with God. I don't know the fears that existed in her life. I don't know if she rebelled against God. I don't know if she voted out some pastor. I don't know what she said about the pastor at the dinner table. We wonder, we stand and we wonder, we, we believe God can prosper us. We believe that God can bring millions of dollars into our financial situation. We believe that, but we wonder whether or not he will. We ask the question, will you do it, God? Will will you do it for me? Sometimes it's really about you. It's not even about others. Maybe the way you were raised or what you went through. You wonder whether what you did, how you performed in life, some of the mistakes you made, whether or not you're worthy of God's blessing. We question the question here. Here's the question. God, will you? Is it for me? We look at our own circumstance, our own situations, and we struggle with the idea that God will do it for us. If you are a born-again believer, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. It has nothing to do with you. And the things that Jesus has provided and what Jesus has done for us are on the basis of him, not on the basis of us. I tell you today, this is what Jesus said. I want you to look at this. Look at what Jesus said. Listen, listen to what he said. He, I'm glad. You have to understand this. Listen to this. Jesus is the representation of the will of the Father. He was the representation of God's will. Jesus represented God's will on the earth. And you know what Jesus said in Mark 1:41? He said, I am willing. I am willing. Jesus said, be healed. Jesus said, I want to heal you. Every person, every person that has accepted Jesus Christ... Even the people that have not accepted Jesus, it is God's will that they accept him, and it is God's will that they be healed. Not one person in this room, listen to me, no matter what you've done, no matter what disease is in your body, no matter what you've contracted, no matter what you may be sitting here today and have full-blown AIDS, Jesus said, I will. I will. I will. You have the right on the basis of the word of God, Jesus said, I will. I want you to shout out, I will. See, some people don't know it. They sit and they constantly wait on God to do some miraculous thing that he's already done. They're pleading with God and begging just like this man. Will you please? Will you please? And Jesus was saying, if you'll receive it, I've already done it. 
I will. Today, you in this room, you maybe have sickness. You may have had it for years. It may have come on in the last week. Who knows when it came on? Listen to me. Jesus is the healer. He was the healer, and he will be the healer. And that whatever you're facing, you must know. You must know. It has to become reality to you that God desires you to be healed. See, the stumbling block is you don't know. And faith begins where the will of God is known. See, if you walk through life thinking that maybe God has it on you or that God allowed it to be there or that maybe God has a plan for that thing. Because, see, that's the teaching. The teaching goes on and on that God has planned it this way and God's the one who allowed it or God made you sick. That anything that you do from that point forward to receive a healing and a cure is going against the will of God. If that's what you believe. See, I don't believe that. I believe that the thief is the one that came to kill, steal, and to destroy. Look at somebody and say, sickness is from the devil. If you don't understand this, you see, everything you'll ever receive from God comes on the same basis as salvation. Can you imagine if a preacher got up today and said, well, maybe, maybe Jesus put that sin on you so that you could know him better. I mean, if Jesus wants you to be healed, why don't you pray if it be the will of God for you to be saved that you'll get saved. And maybe Jesus will walk through the door if he feels like it, and he will, he will, he will, he will save you of your sins. Maybe he'll do that if he feels like it. You know, if he feels like it, if, it, if, it's, if it's his will. No. No, we know that it is the will of God that none should perish, but that everyone should come to everlasting. We would never accept that. We would never receive the idea that salvation wasn't for everybody. We'd never receive the idea that God put sickness, I mean, put sin in you so that you could know him better. We'd never accept that. No, Jesus doesn't make anybody sin, does he? Then why would we think that sickness and disease and poverty would work any other way in the salvation plan of God than salvation itself. The same way and on the same basis I receive my salvation is the same basis that I receive my healing. By faith. By faith. By grace are you saved through faith. And we have to know God wants you saved. God wants you healed. And God wants you to prosper. Somebody say amen. amen. I'm going I'm to finish this. I need to. It just be a few more minutes. But listen. If it's God's will... And Jesus said, I want you to be healed. See, we've been denominationally trained. We've been trained theologies that teach us all kinds of things about God. I just thank God for Family Worship Center. I thank God for this church that teaches it this way. It teaches us we don't have to be sick no more. We don't have to be poor no more. We've been redeemed and we've been set free. I'm not in bondage to the, to the devil anymore. Look at somebody and say, I've been set free. The Bible says it's he whom the Son sets free. Brother, you've been set free. Sister, you've been set free. Free indeed. I mean, from every sickness, every disease, every challenge, every poverty. Listen, you may be in here today and broke, broke, broke. The bill collectors may be coming to get your house or your car tomorrow. And they may do it. They may come get your car tomorrow. But Jesus said he'll restore you. He'll bless you. He'll turn this thing around. Don't you let the devil lie to you. See, the devil likes to come and deceive us. He likes to come and make it look like it was God doing this stuff. No, it's not God. If we'll trust in God, he'll deliver us. He'll set us free. I want to give you four revelations from the book of Job that I found that relate to this particular subject. 
And God, is, it's his will that you're set free. It's God's will that you're delivered. It's God's will that you're healed. And thank God for it. You see, Jesus canceled all the ifs. When that man said if, Jesus canceled every single one of the ifs. There are no ifs in God. He canceled the if. He canceled it. The first revelation I want you to get from the book of Job is found in Job 1, 1 through 3. I'll just read it. Don't put it up. I'll just read it myself. There was once, oh, you can put it up. There was once a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. He was blameless, a man complete of integrity. He feared God and he stayed away from evil things. Had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen, and 500 female donkeys. He also had many servants, and he was, in fact, the richest person in the entire area. Now, you might ask, does God want me blessed? This scripture should answer that question because it was God who gave it all to him. This scripture shows us that God wants us blessed. So my first point here is, is that God wants all men blessed. Just like this, be rich. He said he'll, he'll make us rich and add no sorrow there too. Just look at your wife and say, God wants us rich, honey. <laughs> Buy what you want. Live in what you want. Own the refrigerator you want. Buy the washer and dryer you want. Have the dishwasher you want. Put the shoes on the kids you want to put on them. Amen. Go on vacation where you want. Somebody say amen. amen. I'm determined to get this in you. I'm telling you, you come to family worship, I'm going to beat you in the head with it. I tell you right now, you're going to hear it, 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 that God wants you blessed. And then when you hear these critics come in and say, well, God is a sovereign God, and he will do what he wants to do. If he wants you to be poor, you'll be poor. His ways is higher than our ways. I'm telling you, that's a bunch of religious garbledy gook. It's junk. They made a bunch of mess and doctrines out of this stuff. It ain't true. It's like I said last week, that whole idea that God opens a door that no man can shut. And if, the, if God shuts the door, God will open another one. I told you, that, didn't, that ain't even in the Bible. Thomas Edison said that. And he said, well, God, we open a door, and if the door shuts, he'll open a window. And that was in the sound of music. Not even in the Bible. But we made doctrines out of that stuff. So God wants his people blessed. You might ask, does God want us blessed? Yes. I have been poor, and I am rich. Rich is better. I should use the word blessed because I, I, you know, everybody's definition of rich is different. Did y'all know that? You know, when we talk about riches and we talk about riches, we better be careful that we do it the right way because the Bible says rich is to be abundantly supplied over and above, having no lack, no need. All supplies met. In other words, more than enough. That's who Jesus said he was. He's more than enough. So rich is more than enough. Are we fair with that? Is that a fair statement? You can clap. That's good. Because some folks teach riches owning Lamborghinis and yachts and five-car garages. That ain't what the Bible said. The Bible said rich is more than enough. Now, for somebody in Ethiopia, talking to them about owning a new Corvette is kind of stupid. But talking to them about having a chicken and a place to live might be blessed for them. That could be a millionaire in Haiti. 
Does anybody understand what I'm saying? But if I lived, listen, if I lived in Haiti, according to this scripture, if everybody else was starving, I wouldn't. If, if, if rich in Haiti was to have a hut with wood instead of hay, I'd have a wood hut. Do you understand? If, if living on the plains of Africa meant you had to kill your own food and eat it and that it was scarce and you might eat once a month, I'd be the one eating once a month. Now, let me tell you what it means in America. It means you ought to have some nice stuff, live in a nice house, have a nice car, wear some nice clothes. Y'all should not have holes in your shoes. Ain't nobody shouting, but it's true anyhow. And so I'm going to live on the definition of what I'm in today. Somebody say amen. amen. And if you believe what I believe, somebody said, well, the gospel has to be, it has to be culturally acceptable and culturally cross-culture. You're exactly right. It works everywhere. Jesus heals the same in the United States of America as he does in Ethiopia. He heals the same right here as he does in Madagascar. Somebody say amen. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he blesses just the same in the United States of America as he does if we lived on the plains of Africa. Somebody say amen. What we see here in this passage is the will of God. That's the will of God, that every man be blessed. Look at somebody and say, God wants to be blessed. blessed. Quick as a cat. Did y'all see that? (laughs) Still got it. (laughs) Number two, God protects his people. He wants us blessed. Number two, he protects us. Angels come about us. Now look at this, Job 1, 8 and 10. And the Lord, listen to this. Have you noticed my servant Job? Think about this as God talking to the devil. And don't get caught up in this is the first book of the Bible. There was no covenant made. There was nothing. So let's just deal with the, the subject matter, the broader context. God was bragging. <laughs> if it wasn't the will of God for Job to be blessed, then why was God bragging on him? And I tell you something, when you are blessed, God brags on you. Look at my servant, Job. Look at it. Consider my servant. When we're the servant of God, God's bragging on us because he shows himself through us. Look, uh, look at him. He's blessed. There's none like him on the earth, the perfect and upright man. He fears God and eschews evil. His house was blessed. His cattle were blessed. He was the richest man in his area. Angels in camp brought about us. God points out people who he blesses. And Satan comes back and says to him, he's upset. Think about down there. Now, now, who is the one that doesn't want us blessed? Satan says, oh, if you take your hand off of him. Let, let's see how blessed he is. Let me put sickness and disease and wreck his house. Let me. Who's the one that steals, kills? You see, the curtain is pulled back in these scriptures. We, 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 we get a, a dialogue where we can see clearly the difference between God and the enemy. Do you see that this isn't God who made him sick? That put the boils on his body. Satan said, let, let me put the... And when Satan left God, the Bible says Satan put boils from the top of his head to the... Wasn't God. Who was the one that took his family? Who was the one that caused disaster and the problem is in his home? The devil! Not God. Not God. The devil did it. 
when he was under God's care, when he was with God, when he was in the favor of the Lord, when he was in, in the presence of God, God bragged on how blessed he was. In God, he had wealth. When the devil was in control, he didn't. Isn't that good? So we can see here that God, so what can we esteem from this? What can we understand? That the source of sickness is the devil. The source of trouble is the devil. Look at somebody and say, God good. good. Devil bad. bad. If it ain't good, it ain't ain't God. Job 2 says, Satan said, let sickness come upon him. Let trouble come upon him. And he will surely curse you to your face. Job 2.7 says, Satan left the Lord's presence and Satan struck Job with a terrible boil from head to foot. The curtains pulled back. God shows us where all the problems come from. God reveals to us the error in Job's theology that the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. God was showing him, no, no, the Lord gives. (laughs) The devil taketh away. And let me show you how I can prove this. The Lord gives. Look at the next thing. This is the third one, the source of trouble. Look at the fourth one. When he returns to God, when the situation is over, what does God do with Job? How does God bless Job? I'm going to go some more on this tonight. Y'all don't want to miss it. I've just scratched the surface. Let me just read a couple scriptures to you. Did you know? John 10.10 says, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but Jesus came to give life. Did you know in, in John chapter 6, verse 38, for I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me. Not my own will. Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all those sick and oppressed of the devil. The source of our problem is the devil. Would you say amen? Amen. Every person Jesus healed was not made sick by God. They were made sick by the devil. That's what the Bible says. Who were sick and oppressed of who? Every person that Jesus healed was not made sick by God, but was made sick by the devil. If sickness is God's will, then when Jesus was on the earth, the entire time of his ministry, he fought the will of God. His entire ministry would have been a fight against the will of God. And for you, For people, for these denominational people that have been taught all this garbage that is done away with, that it's not God's will, that we shouldn't pray for healing. I mean, there's all kind of teaching out there. Then don't go to a doctor and don't take medicine because you'll be going against the will of God. I don't know about nobody else, but I am going to take the medicine. I I go to the doctor. True story. Y'all know I've been believing for my blood pressure to come down. I've laid hands on dozens of people who came to me for blood pressure. Because the Bible says if you lay hands on others, what will happen to you? You'll be healed. And that one says, pray for one another that you'll be healed. So I, I just wait for somebody to come and say, I got blood pressure. Thank God, there's another one. I do. I'm like, okay, I can pray for you. And while I pray for them, I'm thanking God for my healing. In Jesus' name, thank you. Right. And even people have come and said, now I'm grieving for you, you agree for me. Because I've been taking blood pressure pill for going on four years, five years. I don't know, maybe even more than that. It hadn't gone up. At one time it was cut in half, and then it got back up. I'm taking 80 milligrams of Divan. Everybody look at me, oh, not you, great man of faith and power. Yes, me. 
I ain't dying. I'm not stroking out. I know what my problem is. I have not turned down the cheesecake. You understand what I'm saying? I like the cheesecake factory. But I have been believing God. I still know that I need to get rid of my weight. I know that i got to get back in the gym. I know that I've got to get healthy. I know that it's unhealthy for me and that I, I am my problem. I, I know we don't want to admit sometimes, you know, somebody gets lung cancer and they're like smokers, you know. I don't know how I got lung cancer. Jesus, heal me. It's on the package. I don't know how I got lung disease and I don't know what's wrong. My lips are about to fall off and I've got a cancer. Spit there, what? You know, there's not going to be any spittoons in heaven. You do know that, right? There'll be no chaw when you get there. You ain't going to be like, you see those people? You know what I'm talking about? Got a big can. Where'd that come from? I lost my cheek, Jesus, Jesus. I know a guy. Listen, there was a guy in the hospital. He was, he was on oxygen and he was in the hospital because of emphysema in his lungs. So he goes outside with his cigarettes that the doctors have told him to quit because he's dying of emphysema. With his lungs uh, full and he's on oxygen, smoking a cigarette and blows himself up outside with his oxygen. He's all burnt up and wondering how in the world that happened because you're stupid. <laughs> we, we got to take some of the blame somewhere. Some, somewhere it's my fault. God ain't never spent nothing on that credit card. God did not marry that guy. <laughs> I just love him. I just love him. I've got to marry him. I've got to do it. I've got all the signs are there. All the signs are there. All the signs. I just got to marry him. I just got to marry him. I just got to. And God's telling him, don't do it. Don't do it. Your preacher said, don't do it. Wait, don't, no, don't. No. Please don't do it. I just got to. <laughs> I love him. I just love him. I just love him. I just don't understand. I can't live without him. A year later, Pastor, I don't know what I'm going to do. I just don't know. Will you pray for me? We need counseling. <laughs> so I go to my doctor the other day. So I go in, and he says, you fatter. That's what he said, you're fatter. I was 10 pounds up. This is the fattest I've ever been in my life. Bad news, right? Bad news. I'm like, darn, I'm fat. <laughs> I mean, I tried to, you know, yeah, because they take you, they get you on the scale with your shoes and, and your pants. And I was like, that's at least two pounds. Maybe I'm not as fat as they're saying. Maybe it's the clothes. I'm retaining water right now. I'm just, re I got water on me. I got water. <laughs> I got to quit, y'all. I'm having a lot of fun. And then he says to me, let me take your blood pressure. And he takes my blood pressure. It's 112 over 72. I'm thinking, well, this is good. He says, what are you doing? That's abnormal. How do you do that? I said, Jesus healed me. He said, that's the lowest blood pressure you've ever had since I've been treating you. I said, yeah, that's great. I said, that's, that's, that's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. He said, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. I'll tell you what I'm doing. I walk by 
and not by sight. Now, let me tell you what smart is. Jesus healed me. If I want to keep it, if I want to keep my healing, I'm going to have to do some things to keep it. I'm going to have to do some things. I'm going to have to work on some things. I can't blame God if my blood pressure goes back up because I kept gaining weight and getting fatter and fatter. I got to do some things. I got to do something to change my condition so that the healing remains in my life. God wants me healed. Say, God wants me healed. See, I have to walk through this stuff just like you do. I'm not immune to the world, the flesh, and the devil. I go through it. But here's the last part. Just listen to this. See, we don't need to get mad at God. We need to get mad at the devil. The devil's the enemy. The deception of the devil is that you will believe that God is the author of what's going on in your life. And the biggest roadblock is to knowing the will of God. When God is back in control of Job's life, we find it in Job 42, 12. When he resubmits himself to God, when he prays for his friends, here's what it says. So the Lord blessed Job. This is Job 42, 12. So the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life, even more than the beginning. For now he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 teams of oxen, 1,000 female donkeys. And he also gave Job seven more sons and three more daughters, and he named his first daughter Jemiah and Kezia, and so on and so forth. 16 says Job lived 140 years after that. After that. After that. After that, you see, if we were wondering what the will of God is, this should show us. When God was in control, Job was a blessed man. When the devil took over and he allowed the devil into his life through his words and thoughts, he lost everything. But when he had got back into the relationship with God, God restored and doubled the blessing. If God wasn't for the blessing, he wouldn't have restored it. If God wasn't for the healing, he wouldn't have healed him. If God wasn't for the family, he wouldn't have brought him family. But no, we can see. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We can see that God wants to bless us. God wants to protect us. God wants to show us off. And God wants to restore us. Would you stand up on your feet?